Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. The first thing, when it comes to music in, in the church and Christian music, is the emphasis is on teaching. And you know that, that music is a very powerful way to teach. Um, if, if you've ever tried to you know, just memorize something, whether it be scripture or anything else, if you can put it to a tune, it's a lot easier to, to memorize. And uh, music often can be used as what's called a mnemonic device, something that, that will help you to remember something. There's, other, there's certainly other things you can use for that purpose, but music often works very well, especially when you're, when you're working with children. If you can take a verse and put it to some kind of a, a, a song or a tune, they'll be able to pick it up much more easily. In fact, if you think about, think about just yourself and how many song lyrics you have memorized, right? I mean, just think about it. You, you hear a song come on the radio, and you instantly know all the words to that song. And, and think about how many songs there are like that for you. Now, how many, you know, how many just passages of just spoken word do you have memorized? Probably not very many. You know, some people go out and memorize poetry or they memorize large sections of books and that kind of thing. But most people don't have much of that memorized. But think about how, how many song lyrics you have memorized. And it's really a lot when you start to think about it. When you think how many songs there are that you can hear on a, on a tape or a CD or that come on the radio and you instantly know all the words to that song. In fact... Um, you know, when we compare how many song lyrics we have memorized to how many verses of scripture we have memorized, we uh, probably all have a little bit of reason to to reflect on what, you know where our where our priorities are. But you know, the music can be a powerful thing to to memorize scripture as well. And the, you know, there's a lot of interesting things about music. They've been doing a lot of research recently on how music affects people with advanced advanced stages of dementia and Alzheimer's. And you know that there are people who cannot recognize their own family members, in some cases cannot even speak, and yet they can hear a song that they know and even start to sing along with, with the song. It, it activates parts of the brain that are not active otherwise. And they're, they're beginning to experiment with using music as a, as a therapy, to use that music as kind of a gateway to help those people improve other, other areas of memory as well. And it just shows how much God has designed us for music to be a part of us. Now, the music that we relate to and the music that we, that we sing and the song that's in our heart is going to reflect really who we are and what we think about the world and what we think about uh, the, the things of God's word. And, and I'll tell you that many people have learned false doctrines, not from a message preached from a pulpit, 
not from misunderstanding a verse of Scripture, but they've learned a false doctrine because they heard it in a hymn book. And there are many things that people uh, believe because they, they sing it in some hymn that if you ask them, well, where's the verse in the Bible to support that? And they, they couldn't give you a verse, oftentimes because there isn't a verse. All right? And so music is something to be very careful about. And when it comes to Christian music, one of the most important things when it comes to music is not what, what the style of music is or what instruments are in the music or, or that kind of thing, but it's what does it teach, right? What do, the, what do the lyrics teach? What do the words of the song teach? And if you're going to judge Christian music, that's, that's the first place to judge it. All right. Is is it teaching true doctrine or is it teaching false doctrine? You know that there there are a lot of songs in the hymn book that we don't sing, um, even though they're well known songs that probably a lot of us would know. But they have false doctrine in them, and the 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 danger is, uh, you know that. That song, those songs that we sing, in a lot of ways, are as much a part of the, the, the message and the service and the edification as what, what the sermon is. Uh, like I said, there, you know, many of the songs that we sing and songs that we sing regularly and, and over and over, um, you, you can remember more about those songs than you remember about any particular message that's been preached. Right? And so you have to be careful that the songs that you are, are singing and, and the songs that are going through your head are things that are reflecting sound doctrine. Okay? Now, so, so the goal there is to be that teaching and admonishing. And, and by the way, there are some things that, you know, that you can go and study about styles of music and that kind of thing. I mean, I, I do believe that there are styles of music that are more glorifying to God than others, but they're usually not, the, the breakdown usually doesn't come where, where, people, where people put those divisions. And uh, I would, you know, some of, the, some of the best writing I've seen on the subject is uh, some of the work by Francis Schaeffer, where he looks at at history, and he looks, for instance, at the, the music of the Reformation uh, in comparison to the music of the, the Renaissance, which was largely a, a godless movement. And, you know, there's, there's comparisons that can be made. Uh, you can make comparison with the music of the world and music that has been a, associated with the church. But, uh, the and and you know I mean I could I could talk more about that and I could probably say enough to make you think that I knew what I was talking about but I really don't don't know that much about it but here ne- never in the Bible do you see it you know criticizing one style of music or or another or, or whatever uh, in fact the the words that are listed here when it says psalms and hymns and spiritual songs first of all it lists the psalms. And you know you have a, a book of psalms in your Bible, which were the, the inspired songbook of the temple. Uh, in the temple, those were the songs that they used. And, and you know that, that there was no uh, singing. We saw that singing there with Moses. But as far as the formal religious worship of the Lord in the tabernacle... 
there was no singing associated with it. There were no singers in the tabernacle. That's not to say people didn't didn't sing from time to time, but as far as the, the formal worship, there wasn't any music or singing uh, associated with it. It's not until you get to the temple, and as David was making the preparations for the temple, that he commissioned these, these families of singers to serve in the temple. And you know, of course, David himself was a singer and wrote many of those psalms that are in the book of Psalms. And those were the songbook for the temple. All right. Now, uh, there are, you know, there are a few people out there that believe that the only songs that the church ought to sing are those psalms in the in the book of Psalms. But you see that that here in Ephesians 5.19, he doesn't say just psalms. He says psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And he adds in some other things. You're not limited to just singing from the book of Psalms. By the way, I have a, uh, in my personal library, I have an interesting song book, which is a, a Psalter. It's called a Psalter, which are songs that are based on the Psalms in the book of Psalms. And it's got, uh, some, some of the Psalms are long enough that it doesn't put it into one song. It might have several songs that come from that Psalm. And of course, to make to make the song work and to make it rhyme, they have to change the words around a little bit. But they're based in, in those book of Psalms, and there's some, some beautiful songs in there. A lot of what they did in putting that together was they took a lot of familiar tunes to other hymns, and they just used these, the, you know, these words, adapted words, from the Psalms. And there's a lot of good, good songs in there that are based in, in those Psalms. The, the word psalm, by the way, the word literally means a, a striking or a twanging, and it has the idea of, of, of songs that would be accompanied by some kind of instrument, probably a stringed instrument. And you know that in the, in the psalms, when you read through the book of psalms and you see some of these strange words and, and different things, um, especially at the beginning of a psalm, sometimes it'll have, you know, these, these different strange words. Those are musical instructions to the people who would be playing that song and singing that song. Uh, and, and so there's musical notation in there, not, you know, not the actual notes and that kind of thing, but those are musical instructions. And some of the psalms, it tells what kind of instrument it's supposed to be played on and, and that kind of thing. You know that, that uh, there are there, there's a denomination out there that says that music in the church should all be a cappella. There shouldn't be any instruments, no piano, no organ. And uh, there was, uh, back in probably the, the 1800s and somewhat the early 1900s, these, these groups would, would come in and they would kind of take over churches. And one of the first things they would do is they would take out, they would make a big show of rolling out the piano and rolling out the organ and you know they were going to follow God's word and and they were just going to sing uh, without any instruments but I I've never seen them give any kind of verse in support of that uh, certainly you see music in the Bible that would be unaccompanied just just sung with the voice but all throughout God's word you see music that is accompanied by instruments and that's exactly what that word psalm Means And so here it says, speaking to yourselves, first in psalms. Uh, then it says in 
hymns. Now, we tend to think of all church music as hymns. Uh, the word hymn, actually, the... the uh, it comes. It actually comes from the name of a Greek god, and you know that there's a lot of words in the Greek language, and of course the New Testament was written in the Greek language that come from names of the of the Greek gods, and uh, this comes from the the name of the Greek god Hymen or Hymenaeus, and uh, of course you might recognize that name from portions of Scripture. That was also a name that some people had. That name of Hymenaeus. But a, a hymn is a song of celebration, okay? In fact, uh, that, that Greek god Hymen was associated with marriage. And uh, if you look in older newspapers, they will often have a, a section where they list marriage announcements. And in some older newspapers, that, the heading of that section is the hymenials, meaning things having to do with marriage. And that comes from the name of that that Greek god. And so in, in, the Greek, in the Greek wedding tradition, the, uh, the, the bridesmaids would sing a song as they accompanied the bride down the, down the aisle. And uh, that, those songs were called hymns. Now the hymn also came to be uh, used to refer to the victory songs that when a, when a, a a military leader would conquer the enemy and there would be these songs composed in praise of either that leader or of the, the false gods that, that they believed gave them the victory. Those songs would be called hymns or in the Greek, humnos, right? And, and so a hymn is a, is a song of celebration. It's, it's also that connection with those marriage hymns. It's also a, a song of great intimacy as well. And uh, these, these hymns, you know, again, this is, it, it's saying this in addition to the psalms. And so these would be songs that believers would, would uh, sing that would not necessarily be scripture, not necessarily just scripture set to music, but still things that are used to teach and admonish and to glory in the victory that we have in Christ. And so we're to sing in psalms and hymns, and then it says spiritual songs. And that word song is the Greek word ode, and we get our word ode from that. You know, when, you, when you're going to sing an ode to someone or sing an ode about something. There's a, a, one of the, the songs that we sing is the ode to joy. Right? And an ode is just a, just a song. And notice that these are to be spiritual songs. Not fleshly songs, not carnal songs, but spiritual songs, songs of the Spirit. If this singing is something that is to be the result of being filled with the Spirit, then the songs ought to be things that reflect that Spirit. Right? Now, you compare this to the, to the music of the world. You know that, that uh, I mean, if you think about it, most of the music, most of the music of the world is glorifying very base things. And especially, probably 90% of popular music, you know, pop, if you just 
turn on, turn on mainstream popular music on the radio, most of the songs really are about sex. I mean, that's, that's really what they're about, right? Uh, the vast majority of those songs. They're, now, they may use the term love, but you realize they're talking about love in a very carnal, fleshly way. Right? Not the kind of, of love, certainly, that the Bible talks about, but rather that, that carnal love. And that's what most of the world's music glorifies. That's nothing new, by the way. Uh, you know, when, when you really listen to people, people think often, you know, that the music of today is so wicked and, and we need to go back to, you know, music that was much more pure like in the 1950s. Well, listen to the music of the 1950s. It's, they may use more guarded language, but the, the thoughts and ideas of the music is no more pure. The popular music of the world of the 1950s is no more pure than the music of today. And, and you can't go back to the music of any period that really, again, the language is different. They use different words and different terms that don't seem as explicit to us. And so we think it's more pure, but it's no more pure at its heart. And when, when worldly man composes music, it tends to be music that glorifies the flesh. And if it's not about just, you know, carnal fornication and that kind of thing, it glorifies some other kind of fleshliness, right? And that's what the music of the world is about. But you see, these, the, the songs that we are to sing, are to be spiritual songs. Songs that are going to glorify the Lord God, glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and remember, the goal of those songs is teaching and admonishing, right? So it says, speaking to yourselves in hymns and uh, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, when it says singing, the word that's used there is actually talking about, you know, uh, audibly singing these songs. And so we're to sing these songs, but notice it says as well that we're to make melody in our hearts. And so the music that's to be associated with the church is not just an outward expression of that, but it's something to be from the heart. And, you know, as we, as we sing these hymns every Sunday morning from the hymn book, you ought to be reading the words, pay, paying attention to what the, what the hymn says and singing it from the heart. Uh, you know, that there, there are some hymns that, I, because I believe they teach false doctrine in certain places, I won't, I won't sing that hymn. And if I'm at a, at a place... You know, I'm at a Bible conference or something, and they sing that hymn. Sometimes it might only be one verse. It might only be one verse of the song. And I'll tell you, if I, if I can't sing it from the heart, I just don't sing it. If it just means I have to keep my mouth closed for that, for that verse, that's what I do. Because these are to be things sung from the heart. And if you don't believe it, you shouldn't sing it. Uh, just like if you, know, if you don't believe something, you shouldn't say it. Uh, the, the, the mouth speaks out of the abundance of the heart, right? And to do otherwise really is, is dishonesty. It's to be dishonest with oneself. Um, if, you know, if we're singing a hymn out of the hymn book, and I, you know, I, I try and 
do my best to screen those hymns. Every once in a while, one will get through where I think, as we're, as we're in the middle of singing the song, I think, oh, I should have skipped that verse, <laughs> you know? But, uh, um, and of course, it's a little bit different when you're leading the song, but, but uh, you know, if, if we're singing a hymn and you see words there that don't represent what you believe in your heart, you have liberty not to sing those words. You don't have to sing those words, right? And, and the melody, there is supposed to be something that comes from the heart. That's what we sang about in that song right before the message, that melody that's in the heart and then singing that out. And so, so uh, you know, the, the, the music and the music that's in your heart, you know, think about the songs that go through your head in the course of the day. Are they songs that glorify the Lord or are they just that, those songs of the world? You know, often you get that tune into your head and it's, it's hard to get it out. And as the tune is going through your head, the words of that song are going through your head over and over and over again. And you think about, uh, you know, what, what effect is that having when you consider how powerful a thing music is when you take that worldly song and those words are going through your head over and over and over again. That can't help but have an impact on you. And... The, the, the goal for the believer is that the song that's in our heart be the things that reflect the word of God. Now, I'll tell you as well that it, within the church there has been a, a trend that has taken place in music which is not a, a, a good trend. And, you know, many of these hymns, some of the hymns that we sing are kind of shallow in their, in their doctrine, but many of them are very deep in the doctrine that they proclaim. And you know that the church has gotten away from that. Uh, there are many churches. I remember a church that I visited one time. Um, it was my, my first year of college, and I was looking for some place to attend, and somebody invited me to this, to this church. And um, I came in, and they started with their song service. And you know that most of the songs were... Very, you know, very short choruses that they would sing over and over and over again. Sometimes 20 times, you know, just, just these same three lines or four lines. And, you know, they would often talk about the love of God, but more often they would talk about my love for God. And, you know, that's another change you see from the older hymns to the music of today is that the older hymns talk about God and what he's done for us, not exclusively, but, but to a much greater degree, where much of what's considered contemporary Christian music talks about me and the great love I have for God, you see? And, and you see that change in focus from God and what he's done to me and what I'm doing. And that also is not a, not a good change. But you see these songs, what's considered popular music among Christians within the church, are not primarily music that is teaching deep and, and uh, important points of doctrine, but rather it's kind of been reduced to the least common denominator. Now, a lot of this is because so much of, of what is called Christian music today is not really about 
edifying saints, it's more about making money. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't some good artists out there that really are motivated by the things of the Lord and, you know, and, and operate on that basis. There are. And there are some, you know, contemporary Christian bands that do a great job of proclaiming the doctrines of God's word in their music. But at the same time, there are a lot of people that make a lot of money from it. And, you know, if you start putting too much doctrine into your music, you're going to turn off some people. There's some people who might buy your CD that won't buy it because they don't disagree or they don't agree with some point of doctrine in a song. Okay? At least that's the, the concern. Of course, the sad thing is that in reality, most people are, are not, most Christians are not discerning enough about the music that they listen to to even consider whether the doctrine in the song is, is true or not. Uh, I used to do a lot of teaching on the internet, and there's a, a uh, chat software called PalTalk where you can have these rooms, and uh, we, when I was down in Florida, uh, me and the, the pastor there, we set up a, a room where we had Bible teachers. We had two Bible teachers every night of the week. Um, and, and we would get good groups in there. But you would go into some of the other rooms. And when you first came into the room, the, the moderator of the room would put up a, a message that said, this room is for music only, no doctrine. Okay? And this was in a, you know, this was a, a Christian Room. Now, what they were saying was, they were saying they didn't want a Bible study. They didn't want people discussing and arguing about doctrine, because if you ever do any kind of Bible study on the Internet, you see there is a lot of arguing that takes place. But see, what they were denying was the very songs they were playing were, was teaching doctrine, right? The songs they were playing were teaching doctrine, and oftentimes were teaching false doctrine, but... They would say, no doctrine. And you see, what, what they were doing was they were thinking, well, because this is a music room, we can put our, put our guard down. We don't have to evaluate things up based on the Word of God. We don't have to think about whether what this song is saying is, is true or not. We can just listen and enjoy the music. And they don't realize that, that what that music is doing, in a more powerful way than the spoken word could ever do, is that music is putting doctrine into their head and into their heart some true and some false. And we need to be just as discerning about the songs that we sing as we are about the messages that we listen to to make sure that those songs are representing sound doctrine. Now, in some cases, maybe that means you change some words in the song. By the way, you know that most of the, the older hymns that we sing, they've been changed anyway. The way we sing it is not the way it was originally written. And people are, are constantly rewriting those hymns. Um, even even uh, songs like Amazing Grace, the words that we sing are not the original words to that hymn. Some of them are, but some of them have been changed. And some things have been added in, some things have been taken out. There's nothing wrong. Uh, again, the hymn book is not the Bible. Now, don't ever change a verse in the Bible, but you can change a verse in the hymn book. Right? You, can, you can rewrite those words. And I, and I encourage you, if there's a song that you like the tune, but it has false doctrine in it, hey, re rewrite the words and we'll sing, it. we'll sing it with those words that have right doctrine. Okay? But uh, 
you see that we ought to take as much care about these songs that we sing as we do about the messages that we hear. And, and you see, again, that's a result of being filled with the Spirit. When the Word of Christ is dwelling in you and you hear that false doctrine in that song, it allows you to be able to, to discern and say, that's not a song I ought to be singing or that's not a part of the song that I ought to be singing. And you need to be as much on your guard against Christian music as you are against the world's music. You know, when you listen to the world's music, you know what to expect. You know what it's going to be. But we let our guard down because a song talks about Jesus or talks about God. And really, that's the more dangerous thing. And uh, so let's just uh, close there with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father... We thank you for this instruction from your word. We pray that we would have the the diligence that we need. And we pray that we would be filled with your spirit and that that would create in us a, a melody in our hearts and a melody on our lips that would praise you and that we would teach one another in song, in psalms, in hymns, the doctrines of your word. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.